Rejecting the screen, the Tuesday edition. That just means you get the two of us, Noah Kozlov, out here on the East Coast. Longtime NBA voice host on Sirius XM NBA Radio and Adam Stenko out there on the West Coast, who's been evaluating NBA draft prospects since before the bar mitzvah that he never had, which I just assumed that he had a bar mitzvah, but didn't. No. Thanks for everybody for subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing. Please continue to do so. And the going ISO, the long form interviews that we do on Thursdays are all going to be evergreen for the most part, or at least a large chunk of the interview will be evergreen. So you can still just go back and listen to those. Sam Mitchell told some great stories, including debunking the story that Jalen Rose likes to tell on national television that Vince Carter once body slammed Sam didn't in the Raptors locker room. And Sam just said it didn't happen. And I don't know why he still tells the story coming up. We'll get to why I think, The pumpkin patch is just an expensive photo op. But first, predictions. Adam, I had to do predictions for SiriusXM NBA Radio. And so I'm just going to run through mine. And then I don't even know what you're going to be putting out there for predictions. Because Mm -hmm. when we talked about this, we just said, well, whatever you want. Whatever you want to predict, predict. Sure. So I'm going to run through 10 right now. Yep. And then we can talk about those, or you can take it any direction you want. Most valuable player, Joel Embiid. Defensive player of the year, Ben Simmons. Rookie of the year, Ja Morant. Most improved, Aaron Gordon. Sixth man of the year, J.J. Reddick. Coach of the year, Quinn Snyder. Executive of the year, Lawrence Frank of the Clippers. Eastern Conference champion, Sixers. Western Conference champ, Clippers. NBA champion, your Philadelphia 76ers. I love it. You know what's interesting, though, is that my predictions, I did not for people listening in their car or, you know, uh, late night. I don't know when you listen to, to your podcast, but late night, I'm just thinking, you know, you can't get to bed all of a sudden. It's the sweet, soothing voice of Noah Kozlov. Oh, I thought um, maybe you had the, the, Al, uh, the playlist and it was the Al Green and then, uh, oh, rejecting the screen. Al Green's so good. What you should know is that Noah sent me his predictions, didn't know what mine were going to be. So I had a chance. First of all, it's helpful to always look at yours because I think there's always some frame of reference, right, to get your your predictions at. And secondly, I basically just said, okay, what are going to be my 10? Those those same predictions, let me lay them out for you. And then I actually have some logic behind some of my picks, which we can get into and how our, our picks differ. My most valuable player pick, Steph Curry. Defensive player of the year, Pat Beverly. Rookie of the year, John Morant, which is also yours. Most improved player, Marvin Bagley, Sacramento Kings. Sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, which soon will be named the Lou Williams Sixth Man of the Year Award. Uh, Coach of the year, Greg Popovich. Executive of the year, David Griffin. (laughs) Eastern Conference champion, Philadelphia 76ers. Western Conference champion, LA Clippers, just like you have a finals matchup of Clippers and Sixers. However, I think the Clippers are going to win the championship. And because of that, I, I think it'll have a heavy sway on, on the voting, which is why I think they're going to want to, I think award voters are going to want to reward the Clippers in some way. And since Kawhi is not going to play enough games to win MVP and because people will say Kawhi is better than Paul George, so he won't get MVP. That's where Beverly Lou Williams, a chance to reward them. I also think Lawrence Frank, obviously Clippers have just a phenomenal year. will be in, in position as well. Coach of the year though, for me, 
is is an interesting one. I think Spurs are going to be really, really surprising teams this year because of DeJounte Murray, because of Lonnie Walker, those guys returning. So I think I think Greg Popovich, all of a sudden people go, oh, yeah, that guy can coach. When all of a sudden they're in the playoff hunt and people look at where they were expected to be, and you always talk about expectations and mm-hmm. surpassing expectations, that's what I think is going to be the difference with with Greg Popovich. So you want to explain what what uh, your logic is behind some of your picks? I'd rather dig into yours oh, um, and, tell you, yeah. and, tell, and tell you why I have a problem with Marvin Bagley as most improved yeah. players. So hit me. So it, it's it's a rule of mine. Okay. Second year second year players should not be considered for most improved player. And I and I use this for kind of use this mantra for a lot of things. Like Chris Rock said, you're supposed to take care of your kids. <laughs> right. You know, what you want a cookie? Like, right. oh, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to, you low expectation mother, you know. So you're not gonna go through the kid, entire thing verbatim like they so second, did on the office. <laughs> Right. So your second year, you're supposed to take a leap. You're supposed to get better. And in your rookie year, no matter how good your rookie year was, your rookie year, you are truly overwhelmed in so many areas of life, not just on the floor. So your second year, you should be better. So I don't think that second year players should be allowed to be considered for most improved because, yeah. You're supposed to get better. You're supposed <laughs> to get actually a whole lot better from your first year to your second year. So that's why I ended up going with a guy who's been in the league for a number of years in in Aaron Gordon because of a skill set that continues to evolve and for a team that has certain expectations. And if they're going to meet those expectations, it's going to be a, because of, I think, Aaron Gordon. You know, you talk about the idea that it shouldn't be voted on in a certain way. I almost have a problem with most improved in general every way, anyway, because I think literally the award typically goes to a player, forget second year, forget eighth year. I think, I think it typically goes to a player who just gets more minutes. And oh, I totally. don't, and I don't, I, that's what I end up having a problem with. There are guys in the league that improve summer to summer and, and we see it, you know, you and I both get the opportunity to go, and see some summer workouts, and you realize that, I mean, NBA players in general, I don't think you get the credit for the amount of work they put in. Now, three 365, I mean, these guys are working on their games, working on their bodies, their conditioning, their mental health, all different aspects they, that guys were not working on 20, 30 years ago. But all that being said, I think that voters end up going with a guy that just puts up better numbers from one season to the other. And it's typically because they got more minutes, not because of that improvement. And it's interesting that you talk about that because I'm in agreement with you over the idea that it shouldn't go to a second year player because first of all, they're overwhelmed. And secondly, the opportunities are going to come a lot more. And a lot of it's not even that they're better players, but just that they're more comfortable, which is pretty much the point that that you're getting at, I, I would think. And so mm-hmm. I, I think... For all those reasons, I agree with you. However, I do think that I'm was sort of making these predictions based upon what I think is going to happen, not how I feel it should go down. And Marvin Bagley, last year, pre-All-Star break, 13 points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game, shot 25% from three. Post-All-Star game, 19 games, he only started three of them, but 18 and a half points a game, nine rebounds, and shot 39% from three. So I think that the fact is when Marvin Bagley gets more time and has already 
surpassed that wall and has gotten more comfortable. And he's shown me some things in the preseason in terms of just how comfortable he is. The way the guy already moves, his length, his athletic ability, uh, has a good feel for the game. I already felt like he was going to be a very good NBA player. The fact that now he's had a chance to get comfortable, I think, as, which is exactly what you were talking about, you almost don't like for this award, uh, I think is going to be huge. The other one is, Noah, is the guy's first year to second year. I mean, you look at last year's rookie class that featured DeAndre Ayton having a wonderful rookie year, and it was yeah, sort of he was in the shadows you know, like 16 and 10, I think, I think he put up, but then obviously Luca and what Trey did. So these guys had phenomenal years. And so in a way Bagley, I don't want to say gets looked at as a bust, but I think so many people start to overreact and say, Oh, this guy's not, not very good. Or, Oh, look, he already, you know, the draft class has proven to bear out that Marvin Bagley was overdrafted. Well, no, I don't think that's the case. And when he gets an opportunity on a young athletic Kings team, I think his numbers are going to explode this year, and that's why I'm picking him for most improved. All right, speaking of rookies, why is Kobe White in the same sentence as James Harden? Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. So, Kobe White, the (laughs) object of your affection. So far, no restraining order put out, although I think it's going to happen because a few of the headlines that we've done for the Locked on division preview shows have already borne out. And I think the Kobe White one might be pretty close. But here's why we're talking about Kobe White and James Harden. John Schumann, NBA.com. I've known Chu for as long as I've known Dave McMenamin from the NBA.com days. Chu tweeted most field goal attempts in the preseason. James Harden, 112 with 54 assists. Kobe White, 77 with five assists. And then he put the link out for this statistic and then added kid appears to be a gunner. Shots (laughs) fired at Adam Stanko is the bulletproof vest on. How will you respond? It it may be fair. I don't have a problem with him saying that Kobe white is, is a gunner and hasn't uh, necessarily distributed the ball. Look, what are you looking for in a preseason for a rookie? Uh, let me ask you that question. It's not even rhetorical right now. No, when you when you're evaluating rookies in the NBA preseason before they've ever, you know, it's their first chance to play on NBA courts and all that kind of stuff, but they haven't yet played in regular season games. What are you looking for? That it's not someone out there running around like a chicken with the head cut off that can that understands that isn't lost on defense immediately and can get off good shots. All those things. Absolutely. And the one that I would add is, is confident. I want to see rookies who are confident and not scared about the situation that's in front of them, which is pretty much, you know, what you're describing, maybe in a, in a little more detail. But Kobe White, five games in the preseason, um, 19.2 points a game, shooting 43% from three, making over three threes a game. Is the distribution there? No, as you pointed out. Uh, really hasn't hasn't had many assists. But that being said, he's also not turning the ball over. 
So you're talking about a guy that's made extremely good decisions thus far. Um, he's scoring at a really high clip. And I think he understands and and probably has been told up until this point, if you want to make your mark with this team, we're going to need to see you be a guy that we need in the rotation immediately. And he's proven that. And what I t- said about Kobe White this, this offseason, having watched him and spent a few days with him at the Don McLean workouts, was he has this infectious personality. He's got a huge smile. He is a wonderful kid. Don McLean has spoken to the both of us and told us that Kobe White is one of his favorite kids. He is rooting for him. And Don has worked out everybody. D'Angelo Russell. For, for, former most improved player, Don McLean. That is, that is true. That's true. We bring it all, we bring it all back. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's worked out D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but he loves, loves, loves Kobe White. And it's his personality. It's his confidence. And his work ethic is crazy. So I am so happy to see that confidence already on display. The passing will be there. He's a good passer, but he's sort of a modern day combo guy that that looks for his shot just as quickly. And if you if you play up too tight on him, he'll blow by you. And if you back off, he's a tremendous shooter off the bounce. He'll shoot over you. And so, hey, he's not the kind of guy bringing the ball up the floor, pass first. But this also means he's going to be able to play some two for this Bulls team, at least on the offensive end. And I think that's huge in terms of at least his rookie of the year candidacy. Which you're still on? Yeah, I mean, I think John Morant's going to put the numbers up and have the the impact right away. That's probably even more so because Ja, I mean, is remarkable in terms of, I mean, he went 20 and 10 in college, which is just completely unheard of. He's such a great passer and that team's going to have explosive plays. And I think John Morant's going to be the favorite. And I think also going to be helped by the idea that um, we're hearing that, you know, this this Zion Williamson injury could be a lot worse than is that mm-hmm. the early indications sort of lead us to believe this could be a couple months now. And if that's if that's the case, first of all, it's going to make it very hard for David Griffin to win executive of the year. I can tell you that much if, Z- if Zion's out for a few months. But also, uh, I think it's going to be John Moran and Kobe White there. I think the two rookies that that have the best chance. There's other rookies I like, but those are the two that I think are going to put up the statistics um, and have the impact that are going to give him a great shot to win rookie of the year. And I tried to grab Brandon Clark in my fantasy draft last night. I tried to grab him. And the as another Memphis rookie. Well, I tried and I didn't get him. I want to reject the screen also with the load management term. So the NBA, I think, would rather fans streak on the court every single night than hear the term load management be out there on any national platform. Because when you look at the schedule, fifth straight year that they've lowered the average number of back-to-backs. Five years ago, teams were playing 19 back-to-backs. Now it's 12 and a half. Third year of no four and fives, no eight and 12s. There are some instances this year, 19 to be exact, where teams will play five games in seven days. But yet load management in every single team preview player outlook is when it comes to stars, and that's really what we care about, when it comes to those stars, how will they be load managed? Well, aren't they being load managed by the actual schedule? Mm-hmm. Because if this, if this if this continues, the NBA again is going to have to look at and work out something with its owners because it means a loss of it means a loss of money. But they're going to have to work out something about number of games, and because they've done, they are doing everything they can with the schedule 
to eliminate load management, DNP rest from the lexicon, and it's not working. We haven't heard anything about the league doing that. I mean, that's the thing. I haven't seen it as a as a major headline out there, and it should be. You're absolutely right, No. And then how about the fact that none of the stars played with, I mean, okay, Kemba and Donovan did, but with Team USA. You know, you think about the obligations that some of the stars have have sort of they've committed their summers to to Team USA, which mm-hmm. has played a, a role the last the last few years for sure. And that's factored in as well. And it's interesting. I'm gonna bring up Don McLean's name again. And I've talked to him about I asked him a question a few weeks ago and said, Hey Don, you know, as a guy that, that works out all the elite prospects coming into the draft, and a guy who had a solid NBA career, one most improved player, as you talk about, I said, Are guys more talented now than they were when you played you know we know that there's an international impact now that's that's greater than it was in the early 90s and all that there's more players to pick from greater pool but but are guys more talented he said i don't think guys are more skilled now but the difference is they take care of their bodies they understand and i talked about it just a moment ago that it's an all year round thing so you already have that going on guys doing pilates and yoga and working at extending their careers. You look at the level that LeBron is still at at his age and how guys have really taken that on and kept themselves not just in shape as the season starts. I mean, guys used to use the preseason to get in shape. It's not even mm-hmm. that anymore. Now it's about how do I maintain my body throughout the year? And load management has been a term that's a part of that, and Popovich started it all. But really, I'm with you, Noah. I don't know how necessary it is or else the league is going to have to take further dramatic action. All right, coming up, open gym. We just opened the floor, rolled the ball out. I'll let you know what the most expensive photo op is in the United States. Adam, if that tease isn't going to get someone to sit through the ads i don't know what will the pumpkin patch dude so i was around this weekend with marissa and eden my wife five-year-old daughter and first weekend full weekend i've been around well i work saturday night but the first weekend days i've been around in six weeks i didn't have a college football game to broadcast and so we went to the pumpkin patch so go out to long island go to the pumpkin patch about 40 minutes away easy drive so you don't have to pay to get into the pumpkin patch but then you're paying for pumpkins then you're paying for a playground then you're paying for kind of lunch roasted corn and then you're buying paying per pound per of for the vegetables which i can't really argue it's only a dollar fifty per pound but now you're you're we're picking string beans and we're we found eggplants and we found green peppers which excited eden more since at the end she said this is such a great day next year let's just get one small pumpkin and then we should just get all the vegetables they have because the vegetables are better than having the pumpkin. I said, yes, great That's idea. Your daughter. That's your daughter. And then, <laughs> right. And then, and then three packs of apple cider donuts. So like all, all, all to take a picture, all to take pictures of Eden and the family with pumpkins around, because if you don't post photos of your family, at a pumpkin patch this time of year, I think child services gets called. A friend of mine just got on me because she said, hey, I'm not seeing you here. And she was just scrolling up on Instagram and every picture. I mean, I'm sure part of it had to do with the algorithm, but every picture is just the little <laughs> kids with, with the pumpkins and all that kind of thing. We we did the pumpkin patch deal, took a bunch of pictures, didn't, didn't post them, I think because my wife has uh, 
full say on what gets posted of herself on mm-hmm. uh, on social platforms. I don't know about you, but I have to I have to verify. Um, you know, I have to get. So here's approval. the deal. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I get that, but Marissa is not on social media. She's. I mean, she mm-hmm. understands social media how it works. She has to know it for her business. She's not on Twitter. She's not on Facebook. She's not on Instagram. So, but when she she gets texts from her friends like. Oh, you guys went to the pumpkin patch today? And she'll look at me. Oh, you posted on Instagram. What did you post? And then she'll look at it. So that's how that's how she monitors social media. The only one she's on is Tinder. That's it. And just to meet new people, wow. not for relationships, right? That's that's I, the, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that. You got you should send me her profile. I will. Yeah, it's covered with pumpkin pictures from the patch. It's funny. We 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 went to ours and I I was kind of shocked at how barren the whole thing was. It's actually Tons of people there at this pumpkin patch. Beautiful venue with some great views up sort of near Sonoma County. You know, we're almost in wine country. You got the rolling hills, huge open space. And yet there was like one bounce house with a crazy line attached to it. Um, There was a petting zoo, which is, that was kind of cool. One spot to eat. And no, there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. The, the setup wasn't really uh, accommodating for a nice family thing. I think the whole thing came together for this idea of just you go out to the patch, get yourself a picture with the pumpkins, and and you post it on social media. And I, I failed to do this, Noah. I failed to. Did do you? This. Did your car break down on the way? Was that was that during the pumpkin patch? No. Visit? So so earlier this week. So here's the the broken down car story, which and has a, an interesting twist to it. Uh, my daughter and I go for a quick ride. When when you have a 15-year-old daughter, you try to squeeze in as many little trips as you can because they don't want to spend much time with you. Or at least in my case, she doesn't want to spend much time with me. So I'm like, hey, let's just hang out for five minutes as we drive down to the bank. She reluctantly does it. She's on her phone the whole time. Go to the bank. My card's not working. Turns out it was a new ATM card. And it had already been compromised before I even had a chance to use it. I had gotten it like three weeks prior hadn't yet pulled money out. First time I try to use it, it's not working, but I don't know that's the reason yet. So I'm now trying to call the bank, dealing with it, trying to figure this thing out. And as I'm going through that frustration, I turn the car back on, won't start. Try turning (laughs) it again. So now we're stuck at the bank at like, this is off hours. It's like eight o'clock at night. I was just going to get some cash for the next day. And now the car won't start as I'm with my daughter. And now she's really annoyed because and she's like, oh, do we have to be here? I'm like, I don't know how we're getting home from here. So call my wife. She's going to pick me up. But first call the, the the tow truck driver. So my wife takes my daughter home. We try to jump the car, all that. Well, it turns out it's the starter engine that that went in this car. I, I don't know. I, I bought the car from Mike Yam, friend of the podcast. Um, really? Yeah, TV personality, Mike Yam, Pac-12 Network's own. So anyway, the point is, this tow truck driver shows up, nicest guy in the world. He's talking to me. He's a great guy, all this. And I tell him hey, where I want it to be towed and that I'll follow him there. Um, ended up getting, uh, you know, so dropped my wife off and I end up using the car that she has. And so I'm going to follow him there in my other, my other car. So I follow this tow truck driver. He gets this spot where, where it's supposed to be dropped off. The guy perfectly parks it, all this. And as we do that, He's like sitting there and he's just talking to me and I'm trying to leave. But it wasn't like he was doing you a favor. He, he was doing his job. Yeah. But apparently he thought, I guess, that we became friends. And I sort of got the feeling that he was like lingering around, like maybe waiting for me to give him 
because we went through like a, a you know like a triple a service so it's not like i think you know he he formally has my number and so <laughs> i'm i think he was waiting for me to like exchange numbers or, or emails or something he's literally lingering as we're in this parking lot and i so i like go like okay and i'm like getting in my car and he's still not getting like back in and he's telling me and he starts showing me like the suspension and i know nothing about cars and he's showing me the suspension the shocks that his tow truck has and how it's an impressive machine <laughs> and the car, he starts telling about the car he's looking to buy and no i have a huge problem with first of all everyone who knows me knows i talk too much and i give way too much detail but in addition to that another big flaw of mine when when dealing with others is that i'll always out of just i don't know if it's like respect or trying to be kind to people i always end up asking a follow-up question that i don't mean to be a follow-up i'm trying nah. to be make small talk so get this, I get in my car, he gets in his tow truck. I start to pull away, but now I'm going to pull away past his his tow truck. His window's down. <laughs> so I pull up like, okay, we're good. And he's like, oh, yeah. It's anyway, awkward. So Yeah, I finally got drove off and That's he awkward. drove off. And I think he might be knocking on my window right now. Not sure. Um, Creepy. Last thing, we're going to close on a basketball note. Shaq's podcast. And we frequently, Adam, we've talked about what and how former players talk about us who never played the game. Us as a media members. Sure. And I've, who never and, played the game at that level, but that's right. what you're referring to. I'm just yes. I'm clarifying. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Shaq's going through his, on his podcast, the season preview and they bring up the Clippers and he says, they don't have any shooting. He said, they'll be good, but they don't have any shooters. So he definitely doesn't know who Landry Shaman is. You need no clue. And then, when the host or the producer says that Paul George is going to be out for a little bit, he had shoulder surgery, he goes, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So what are we doing here? What are we doing here? All right, if you want real NBA talk, Locked On NBA, daily bite-sized look at yesterday's action and then what is upcoming, that's daily, Locked On NBA. You've got us rejecting the screen twice a week Two of us chatting on Tuesdays and then going ISO, the long-form interview at Sam Mitchell last week, coming up this week, the great Ryan Rosillo, and then also, once a week, insight like you won't find anywhere else, Nate Duncan and John Hollinger. Also follow the entire network on Twitter at LockedOnNBANet and the same on Instagram. We are rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov, Adam Stenko. Subscribe, download, rate, review share with all your friends i hit them all i think you hit them all and i i think that we also should just say that i think you and i are i'll speak for the both of us just grateful that we're getting this opportunity to do this and the response as you mentioned off the top has been awesome thus far and we are excited about where this thing is about to go so thank you to everyone that's been listening it's it's been huge for us and and thanks to david Locke for giving us the opportunity yeah you're right you do talk too much adam thank you <laughs> You're the best.